Well, anybody check out Facebook? Anybody see what we put up there for the for the service for tonight? I guess I'll just leave that thing alone. Just yeah, I put it on the. I sent it over to, to go into the blog as well, so that those who can't get to the Facebook can can see that. But if you did read that, I had it up there last uh, last night. I was looking over where we were going to go with this, and looking over uh, some of the parables that remained. There were a set of parables. I wasn't sure how long ago it was that we taught on those and found out that we just taught on them earlier this year. So I said, ah, we're not going to go into those things again. And uh, I didn't think it was that long long ago. I thought it was a longer time ago we did the lost parables, but that was uh, not too long ago. So we saw this one here, and really, I haven't spent any time on this in recent times. So we're going to take, take some time and, and check it out here. And this is in Luke chapter 18. This is a parable that has many people doing many things that are so against Scripture that it just always leaves me astounded. But then people have tried to teach from it and are are at a loss as to what exactly Jesus is getting at and come up with all kinds of meanings that He's trying to teach us that directly come against other things that were taught in the Word of God. So we really need to get to the bottom of this, but this will be the last parable we're going to be looking at. And we'll be moving on to something else. Rain and thunder. Boy, you can't, can't beat that, can you? Hmm. Well, let's take a look at this. This is the parable of the persistent widow. How many have ever heard that one before? You know, the widow keeps on coming. She's like the energizer to her bunny. Verse 1, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Well, in order to get to the meaning of this, we have to first off understand what it is that Jesus said he endeavored to teach in this parable, which comes out in verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So here's the purpose. That people, men meaning men and women, ought to always pray and not lose heart. That's the purpose. Here's the parable. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Does the judge represent God? (laughs) Now again, what's his purpose? About praying. So it's about us continuing in prayer. And he uses a widow who continues to bring her petition. So the widow represents who? Us. So who does the judge represent? (laughs) Except that he emphasizes the fact that this judge does not fear God or regard man. Does God fear God? Well, no. God is God. Why would he fear God? (laughs) Does he regard men? Yeah. All right, so this judge is sort of in the position of God, but not really. 
Well, we got all kinds of problems in this, don't we? I mean, now Jesus is making up the story so the characters are who he wants them to be. It's not like he got handed something. The judge does not fear God nor regard man. The widow does represent us. Now, widows in, the, in the, his day and age represent people that were helpless that needed help. And she came to the one who she had to get help from, which was to the judge to get revenge on whatever it was that had been, been going on. Well, let's go on. We'll figure this thing out. And he would not, for after, but after a while, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? So here it is. The judge does represent God, but contrasting the unjust judge to a righteous God, he is saying the unjust judge answered the prayer to get her out of the way. So why would God answer the prayer? Because of His love for the widow or the people that are making the request, right? We come out of this, this with meanings that we are to always continually come to God in prayer. Here's the thing. How many of you get discouraged praying when prayers are answered? If you make a prayer today and it's answered tomorrow, and then make another prayer tomorrow, and then it's answered the next day, and make another prayer the next day, and it's answered the day after that, how many are getting discouraged in prayer? How many are encouraged? How many can't wait to pray the next day? It's like, oh, these things are working. Oh, we're excited. This is good, right? Why would we get discouraged in prayer if prayer is answered? Is there any reason for us to be discouraged? What's his purpose? That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The purpose of this teaching is not to be applied to all prayer, but to prayer that you continually pray that seems like it's not being answered. Isn't that right? Because if our prayers are being answered, we're not getting discouraged. The problem that we come being discouraged is when our prayers are not answered. Now, here comes the problem with the application. Is that we tend to want to take this wonderful teaching that Jesus did and apply it to all the areas that we have been discouraged in the area of prayer. <laughs> and that's not right. You cannot do it. You have got to look at what Jesus taught what he was teaching about. It's so important that we understand this correctly. So let's, uh, let's go on with this. First off, the men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So there's two purposes of this parable. To keep praying and to not lose heart while we continue to pray. So this must involve praying for the same thing. It must involve praying for the same thing. Because the only way I can get discouraged in prayer is if I'm praying for the same thing and I don't see it coming. Right? I'm not going to get discouraged otherwise. has to be for the same thing. We would only lose heart if we don't see an answer soon. So we're not talking about continuing in prayer for something for a week. We're talking about a long time. We continually come, we continually pray, and we haven't seen the answer. So, 
what kind of things involve continual prayer? Does everything involve continual prayer? Now, let me look at the request of the woman. The request of the woman is this, to get justice for me from my adversary. That is the request of the woman. To get justice for herself from her adversary. That is the request. And that's real important that we understand what the request is. So basically, I broke it down this way. I need you, God. I put in parentheses, God. I need you, God, to act on my behalf against another. I need you, God, to act on my behalf against another. How many of your prayers involve you asking God to act on your behalf against another? Now, if you're going to apply the parable to what you're praying for, then you've got to apply it to what she's praying for. You can't just take whatever you want to pray for and apply the end result. I know we like to do that sometimes, but you can't do that. The, her request is this. Something happened. I need you to act on my behalf against another. There's another person out there who's done something, and I need you as the judge to act on my behalf for them. That's what the request is. Again, Jesus made up the parable. He made up the request. There are prayers that are ask, asking God to supply our need or the needs of others, aren't there? There are times that I come to God and I ask for a need for myself to be supplied or for the need of another. I put in a couple examples this one. One of them would be wisdom. Do we not ask God sometimes for wisdom for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Is that not scriptural? James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. Didn't Paul pray for wisdom for people? So we have that we can pray for ourselves for wisdom. We can pray for other people for wisdom. That's for, for a supply. That's for God to supply. Does that fit the bill of what this woman is talking about? No. So we really can't apply that here. So when I'm asking for wisdom and I'm not seeing it come, I can't put my application in this area and say, well, I just need to keep on coming to God and not get discouraged. I just need to keep on praying. Well, God, somehow, some way, sometime you're going to answer my request and give me wisdom. Because the Word of God says what? Let him ask of God who gives to all men eventually. Oh, oh liberally. Not eventually. Liberally. Is that how it says? <laughs> All right, so we're not getting eventually, we're getting liberally. Finances. Oh, it's so easy for us to put this one in there, isn't it? I've been asking for God to take care of this financial need. And I just know, just like the widow woman came before the judge and kept continually making her request, eventually God will get tired of hearing of me. <laughs> And he'll answer my request, right? No, because I'm not asking for God to act on my behalf for another. I'm asking God for what His Word says. Does His Word give me promises in the area of finances? Does the Word of God talk about how He will supply my need? Does it give me steps for that to happen? Then that's not falling in line with that either, is it? How about another one? How about direction? That's a need. Sometimes we have need for direction. And we're standing at a crossroads and I need to know, should I go left or should I go right? Should I go straight? Should I turn? What should I do? And I ask God, God, what should I do? 
And God says, I'll get around to that sometime. Just let them wander around there for a little while. Just let them kind of, you know, poke around. Hey, try to see what you think of that. We try that way. Hey, see what you do. Now, what's he do? Does his word not say that he's a light unto our path? That he, the, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord? We have lots of promises about direction in the Word of God that we will know what direction we have to go and not that we're going to be blindly going about things, doing things, waiting for some kind of answer to finally come and eventually, you know, we, we'll get there. How would you like it if you were driving on down the road following some directions and maybe you have a person in, in the passenger seat and they're being the co-pilot and, um, and you, know, you know, turn right over here and you turn right over here and then turn left over here and you turn left over here and as you're going on down, you're going, Oh no, turn right! <laughs> would you like that especially if you're over in the left hand lane you can't always just you know make that right hand no you want a little bit of time especially those GPS things you know some of those ones they get on there and as they turn right and then all of a sudden turn right <laughs> turn right and turn right oh man they're, they're tough sometimes no we want a little bit of heads up on that but this woman's not asking for direction is, is she Apparently, she seems to know the direction she wants to go. She knows there has been a wrong done. You are a judge. You are to right the wrong. He's the one who did the wrong. I need you to exact what it is that they did and bring it back to me. She's got direction. She's not asking for that. So there are prayers that are us asking God to supply our need or the needs of others. Wisdom, finances, direction. These are some of the things that would come under that. And you could probably put some thought to it and come up with some other things there. Then there are empowerments to bring God's will to the earth. Now, I put these a little bit different. I put these in there as empowerments, not prayers. I always say, say this over and over again, and I've challenged everyone in the church here who's ever come through to always go back into the Word of God and look at Jesus in this example. How many times in the Word of God does Jesus pray for healing for people? Fifteen? Thirty? A hundred. None. Not a single time does Jesus ask God to heal anyone. Now, Jesus is our example. He's a good example. I still find myself sometimes slipping into that spot where I'm asking God to heal somebody. Because I was so brought up on that sort of thing. And slap myself across the face and get myself right. Jesus never asked God to heal anyone. Paul never asked God to heal anyone. Peter never asked God to heal anyone. We don't have too many examples of John, but of the few things we have, he never asked God to heal anyone either. We don't have anyone in the New Testament ever asking God to heal anyone. They just did what? They just spoke to the sickness, commanded the lame man to walk. Jesus says to the lame man, Take up your bed. But there's no, Oh God, let your power come down. <laughs> it's there. There's none of that. There's no asking God for healing. There is empowerment. Jesus went out and did things. And the centurion is one of those ones who understood this. And Jesus marveled at his faith. And he said, I have not seen such faith in all Israel because the centurion said, I say this one go and he goes and this one come and he comes. And he understood, if you just say, go, the sickness goes. I understand that. That's all you need to do is speak the word and that thing will go. And Jesus said, wow, this, this guy gets it. 
And then Jesus went into a long and dialed prayer to ask God to heal that. No. <laughs> he didn't even didn't do anything. He said, go your way. You tell him that it's, it's all taken care of. So we don't need to do that. We've got to make sure that we go out and we pray for other people to be healed. We don't ask God for anything. Because it's already yours. It's already yours. The example of that would be, how many of you have a Mac card? We pretty much all have Mac cards by now. You know, we like those Mac cards. You can go into the Wawa, put the card in the machine, and as long as you have money in the account, what comes out? Money. money. <laughs> I need some money. Put it in there. Wawa doesn't charge me any fee, which is real good. Are they charging them now? Boy, it's been a while since I've been in a Wawa, I guess. <laughs> uh, the free cards are gone. you got to go back to your bank. So anyway, you have to, you, you, you have this, this thing going on. But what would happen if every time you wanted to use your Mac card, you first off called up your bank? Hello, bank. Um, I'm over here. Uh, I want to buy some groceries. And um, I just want to make sure that it's okay. They're, you know, it's about $50 worth of groceries. Is it okay if I use my Mac card? What would they do with you? Well, sir, of course you can use your Mac card. You want me to check your balance in your account to make sure that you have enough in there? Oh, no, no. I know I have plenty of money in there. I just want to make sure it was okay. You know, you gave me this nice shiny card and I just want to make sure it was okay to go out there and to use it. Well, sir, that's why we gave you the card so that you would have access to your money wherever you were. Just wherever you want, just go ahead and use it. An hour later, we go over to the gas station. Then we're going to get some gas, but we call out the bank. We get the same person. Hi, this is... So-and-so again. I'm just calling. I'm, I'm over here at the gas station now. I want to make sure it's okay that I use my Mac card. I want to purchase some gasoline. Well, they may not be as patient with you the second time. But eventually, you know, they're going to let you know, no, I'm, put it in the machine. It should work fine. I can check the balance if you're concerned about your balance. No, no, I no, I have plenty. And then you go over from there over to the mall. And you go shopping for some things you need over at the mall. And you find something at one of the stores. And you call up the bank. I'm over here at J.C. Penney, and I was about to make a purchase, but I just thought I'd check and make sure it was okay if I used my Mac card. I mean, eventually they're going to get irritated with you, and they may take that Mac card away. <laughs> you are not endowed with power anymore. Give me that card. Though. Go out there and find another bank. They won't like that anymore. But see, God has endowed us with power, and we don't need to call and ask Him to use it. He's told us how to use it. He's told us how it works. He's told us how to recognize when we can make it work and when we can't. Jesus was in the area of Capernaum and it said he could do no great or mighty work in there except he laid his hands on a few sick people. But it was, yeah, it was because of their unbelief. They shut it down. But it wasn't because of God. It wasn't because of Jesus. He realized, all right, some things don't line up in here and they're shutting it down so we can't quite use it here. But I can use it here and here. And he used it all kinds of places. And he never one time asked if it was okay. From God. God, is it okay if I heal this one? Multitudes were brought to Jesus and it says that He healed them all. Never found out one time that He said, you want, you hold on a minute. I can't use the card on you. He didn't do it. So we have to get out of the old thinking that we've been brought up with in some of our nice denominational churches that we were raised in that taught us that you know healing is not always the will of God. That we always have to pray to God and beseech, you know, oh God, please heal me. No, we just speak to the sickness and disease. 
then it goes. We just speak to the the thing because we have been endued with power. There's an, an empowerment that's been given to us. And healing is taking care of one of them. How about deliverance? We had Jesus. He got out there and people were taking over with the devil. And when he saw that, he said in the name of... Well, he didn't say in the name of Jesus. He told us that you do it that way. But he just said, come out! And they came out. Didn't they? He didn't say, oh God, please take this demon out of this person. He didn't do that a single time. Not a single time. And none of the disciples did either. They even came back and said, at your name, even... Apparently they weren't praying to God either. They were just, in the name of Jesus, come out. Seven sons of Sceva came on up and they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> Jesus we know. Paul we know. We have no idea who you are. <laughs> we don't got to listen to you. They got on there and beat them up. But Paul was endued with power, wasn't he? And he could go out there and he could use it. If you are given something, you don't need to ask God for it. So there is absolutely no way that this parable could be used in the area of healing or deliverance. Because we can't be sitting there waiting for something if it's already been given to us. Put a third one in here, preservation. When Daniel was cast into the lion's den. When Hananiah was thrown into the lion's den or thrown into the fiery furnace. Does he say to Azariah, Let's get together. Let's pray. Maybe God will act on our behalf. No, they stand up and they say, Our God is well able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. They are endued with power. When Jesus, when the crowd came against Jesus to kill him, to push him off the cliff, the Word of God says that he got down on his hands and knees and he prayed that God would deliver him, right? Now, what did it say he did? He passed through the midst of the people who were trying to push him over the cliff. How do you do that? How do you pass through the midst of people that are trying to push you over the cliff? That's what he did. Paul was taken outside the city and stoned. They wanted him dead. And he was left there. What did he do? Got up, went back into the city. <laughs> it's endued with power. If you are endued with power, you don't need to ask God for it. You've already been given. So this parable cannot have reference to healing. It cannot have reference to deliverance. And it cannot have reference to uh, preservation. can't have uh, reference to the needs that I have that are promised to me to be supplied by the Word of God. It's a matter of lining things up. For empowerments, empowerments we just need to line up with the Word and faith and act. That's all I need. In order for an empowerment to work, I just need to line up my faith with the Word of God and act. The Word of God says, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, do not doubt in your heart, but believe, what will happen? It will be done. Do you get anything in that, in that Scripture that has a sense of persevering in prayer? No. We, have, we are to, at the time that we make those requests, have the belief that it is done. Isn't that right? At the time that the request is made, we are to believe in our heart that it is done. There's no persevering when you already know it's done. 
It's done. Do I need to persevere? No. You persevere because you're not sure that it's done, right? You don't see that it's done. There's some uncertainty in there. Brother Hagin, his famous quote, which I say often enough, faith begins where the will of God is known. So we know what the will of God is and that's where faith begins. But there are some places where we don't have the, the will of God known yet. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, He knew what the will of God was, but He was wondering if there was another way. Father God, if there's an, another way, let this cup pass from me. But if not, I'll take it. I'll, I'll go this way. And so He persevered in prayer there for a couple of hours. But that's not quite what this is talking about. A couple of hours. Well, for empowerment, we just line up with the Word and faith and act. For prayers of supply, we need to line up with God and His Word and make our request. I just need to line up with God. I need to line up with His Word. What does His Word say about that thing? How does the supply come? I need to get lined up with it. And then that's it. As far as wisdom goes, was there anything else that had to line up? I needed to ask. I need to be a scriptural asking, a scriptural prayer. And if it was a scriptural prayer, asking for something that was in the Word of God, promised to me in the Word of God, it came, right? Is there any persevering in there? So where is this perseverance in prayer? We've got to make sure that we have the right place to apply this. But in this, we want God to judge an injustice and exact payment from another. Now see, here's the difference. In all the other types of prayers, it was pretty much me and God. Sometimes me, God, and an object. Sometimes it was me, God, and a sickness or, or a thing like that. But here, we have me, God, and another person. And as soon as you get another person involved, now you've got an intangible that you cannot control. Because there's another, person's, another person is involved in this. And it's not just that the other person's will is involved. You have the relationship between God and the other person. There's a relationship between you and God, but there's also a relationship between God and the other person. You don't know what's going on between God and the other person. All you know is what's going on between you and God. That's good enough for supply, isn't it? That's good enough for empowerment, isn't it? But not for this. Now I have that other, other part going on. I don't know what's going on with, with that one. He brings this in as an unjust judge because many times when we see God not acting on our behalf we begin to see God as unjust. Certainly, my case is a good one. Why is God not acting on this case? Why is God not coming through on this? I have been coming to God on a regular basis on this and nothing has happened. Now, we've got to get the right application on this. What kind of things can we apply this to? Well, first off, this parable has nothing to do with prayers of faith to receive or acting in faith's power. Nothing to do with that. It deals with acts done against God's people and their prayers for justice. Look at the uh, end part of this verse again. Uh, verse, verse 6. And the Lord said, How, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God, or shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him though He bears long with them? What is the application that Jesus is tying this to? that God's people are crying out to Him day and night for injustice, un, injustices that are done against them by whom? 
The world. Unrighteous people. Ungodly people. Enemies even to God that are coming against God's people. We saw this with Israel back in the, in the days of Moses. That God said, I hear their cries coming up to me. I've been hearing them. And God had been hearing them for how long? Hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. How many of you all know that Israelites were on their knees praying? Dear God, do you see the injustices done to us by the Egyptians? We've not done anything to them. We have not harmed them. But God, you need to come and deliver us. You promised us a deliverer. And God did. But God promised them a deliverer and when? 400 years when the sins of the Amorites were full. And if they knew their scripture, if they studied the word, they would have understood. We have 400 years to wait. But they didn't know their scripture. They didn't understand what the scripture said. They just went on the basis of their hurt and their pain and their anguish. And that's all they cared about was that. And they prayed in relationship to that area. But Jesus is not teaching this in regards to Israel in the wilderness or Israel in Egypt or Israel in the promised land being persecuted by Philistines or uh, any other enemies that came up against them. He is teaching this in the New Testament and he's teaching it for a particular time. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Speedily. Now understand, this is relative. Jesus, when he departed, the disciples said, Behold, I, I will come again. <laughs> now to most of us, 2,000 years is not real fast. <laughs> but to God, apparently, this is pretty fast. He's looking at this a little differently. I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? When who comes? When does the Son of Man come? He comes at the end of the tribulation. And the tribulation is what? God's vengeance on wicked, unjust people for what they have done against His elect. The tribulation is God's justice met out to people for seven years they will go through misery. Real intense three and a half years. And that's just to set them up for the misery to come. And then that's when they get tossed into hell. And that's just to set them up for the misery to come when they get tossed into the lake of fire. Which apparently is even worse than hell. So the day is coming. Speedily, that's right. So when does justice come? In the end. But see, some of us aren't ready for that. We want it now. And so we're praying as such that God, judge them, get them now. Look what they did. Look what they did. Get them. What am I saying? I want God to act on my behalf for people who came after me. Get them. Get them now. Kill them. Make them dead. <laughs> Take their stuff. Give it to me. We pray all kinds of stuff in, in this area. And then, and then nothing happens. They still have their stuff. 
and I'm still here. And we can get discouraged. Say, Father God, this is what you said. Because this is what we have to understand. When we get into the area of vengeance, there is a relationship that God has between you and Him and a relationship He has between them and the adversary. His goal is to make the adversary part of the family. But He will eventually let go of that goal and deal with them. But in His time. And what you have to understand is don't get discouraged when you see the, your adversary. And I'm not talking about the devil adversary. We're talking about people. Human adversaries is what this parable is talking about. Human adversary. Other people who did you wrong. Maybe they were inspired by the devil. But they did you wrong. And you want God to go get them to get the thing and give it to you. And God's saying this, just because you don't see me acting just yet, don't you get discouraged. Keep on praying. I understand. I will act. I will act. But we're dealing with a ballpark, an area here. It's a little different ballpark than all the other things you've been praying. There's a few more things that are involved in this. So keep the broad perspective of the thing. And just understand that I'm the righteous judge, not the unrighteous judge. I do fear God and honor people. I'm not like the other guy. And just because you don't see anything happening just yet doesn't mean that nothing is. So don't lose heart. And we may be looking at it for individual things as far as we go or we may look at it for the whole thing. How many of you have ever said in, uh, you know, maybe just last week, maybe just yesterday, God, bring on the tribulation. Get them. Burn them up. I mean, they deserve it. Take them out. <laughs> and and he didn't come. We're still here. Tribulation didn't happen. Didn't start. We're not up in heaven watching yet. Oh, don't you know we want to be? I, I look at what some of these folks are doing. These un, unrighteous people. Some of the plans that they have crafted. Some of the things that they do. And we just want to say, Father God, we're looking at this thing from this perspective and man, they are just doing us nasty. Get them. I mean, they deserve it. They deserve it. Get them. And God says, ha, I know they deserve it. I know it. Oh, I know they deserve it. And believe me, when it comes, you will be happy. But if I'm holding off, it's not because I don't have respect for you. Or I don't love you. And if I answer, it's not because I'm trying to shut you up. I'm a God who works as a righteous judge. And I have to try and win over the adversary into the family. And I'm working towards that end. But I will exact justice. And vengeance will come. But if I hold off a little longer than you think, don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. And don't stop praying. Understand, this kind of prayer is in a little different area. There's a little bit more that's involved and maybe some things that are involved that you don't see. But don't lose heart. Keep on praying. Understand I am coming. I put these rules in here for you to, to have in your outline. And these are just some prayer rules. None of these should be new to you. Don't ask for what you have already been given. No need to it for it. 
Don't ask for what you have already been given. If you already asked for wisdom, don't ask for it again on that particular situation. You already asked, didn't you? If you already commanded that mountain to be cast into the sea, don't go up to the mountain again and cast it in the sea again. You don't need to do it. Persistence in prayer is not coming up to the same mountain and casting it into the sea four or five times. That's not persistence in prayer. That's a lack of faith. There's a difference in that. Persistence in prayer is for those things you don't understand all the stuff that's going on around it. But just stay persistent. You'll keep at it. But God's already given you some things. He's already given you the power to deliver people from the hold of the enemy. Cast out uh, sickness and disease. You've already been given it. Don't, don't ask for it. Don't ask for what you are not to have. Don't do it. There are people out there that yeah, the Word of God says don't covet this, don't, but they'll go out there and they'll covet it and they'll ask God for it. Don't do it. You can be persistent as you want in that area of prayer. It ain't going to work. That's not what he's talking about. Don't ask for what you're not supposed to have. The Word of God told you some things. Don't do it. Israel asked God for a king. Were they supposed to? No, don't ask God for what you're not supposed to have. Solomon multiplied horses. Was he supposed to? No, don't ask God for what you're not supposed to have. It'll, it'll get you some trouble. Solomon's supposed to have how many wives? How many did he have? Way too many. He got the one. What did he do? He asked for another. He asked for another. I want that one. And he just kept on asking. I'm not saying that God gave them to him. I think he just took them. But don't ask for what you are not to have. It'll, get, it'll bring you some trouble. Don't expect now what is yet to come. If God has promised it to come, don't expect it now. Now be careful what you put in that category. Because there's some things people just want to throw in that, oh, alright, well, my healing is not coming. My deliverance isn't coming. My... Supply isn't coming. No. Those things don't fall into that category. But there are certain so some things that are going to be promised for the millennium. There are some things that will be promised when Jesus comes again. Don't be asking for that. Just make sure you know that the Word of God promised it for you and promised it for you now. How many all know that the Word of God said He's gone to build a mansion for you? Yeah, don't ask for it now. That's for later. It's on the other side. Besides, if he asked for it now, if he did give it to you, then what are you going to live in when you're up there? Got to think ahead on these things. <laughs> Don't expect now what is yet to come. There are some things that God has given us that are future. And here's the last one. This is important. Don't audition for God's job. Don't get in there and try and be the judge. Don't audition for God's job. Let God do God's job, you do your job. We have a hard enough time with that. Don't get in there and say, God, you're not doing right. <laughs> just, just let God be God and let the rest of it go. He does His job just fine. We'll let Him, we'll let him do that. The persistent widow. Don't be a persistent widow in the area of healing, in the area of finances. In the area of supply, you don't need to be a persistent widow. You need to come, you need to ask, and God will supply. You need to find out what the Word of God says, and do it, and line up with it. That's all you need to do. He's not teaching you to be persistent in those things. He's teaching you for a very specific area 
because it can get real discouraging when we see some of the injustices done to others or to ourselves. And we begin to pray, Father God, that's not right. These people should not be able to do this to these people. And we ask for God's fury to come down on those people. <laughs> and it didn't happen yet. You don't lose heart. You can keep on praying. So apparently, just so you know, it is okay to go to the judge and say, I want, uh, I want vengeance on, for that thing. That is apparently okay. Now, you can also pray that God would let it go. Because remember that Jesus, when He's on the cross, and He says, don't hold this against these people. Apparently, folks, He could have just as easily said, Father God, you see them all? Write down their names. Send Michael down here, take some pictures. So I want every one of them. We got a special space just for these guys right here. And you see that one right there? That one right there. Yeah. That one. I know what he did to me when I were in that room. Yeah. You make sure. He apparently could have done that. But he didn't. He went the other way. And he says, Don't hold this against them. Apparently it would have been. Otherwise, Jesus isn't praying it. Don't hold this against them. God will take vengeance. And you can apparently see some of the injustices done in this earth by people to others. And you can commit that to prayer and say, Father God, that is not right what they did. And you can go one way or the other with it. But just because you don't see the results right away, don't you lose heart. But you quit praying. And just understand, this kind of prayer is different from all the other kinds. This is a different different thing. Jesus is teaching on a different item here. Just need to keep that in mind. Father, we thank you for the things Jesus teaches us on prayer and about the kingdom and all the things that are in the parables that help us in our life and what we are to do. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us that we are overcomers. In all things that come against us, we are overcomers. There are things you have given us and they are ours to use. There are things you said, just ask for it and I'll give it to you. We don't need to be persistent. We just need to ask and we receive it. And then there are those things that we need to persist in. I thank you, Father, that you help us understand the difference between them all. And to, to not mix it up. To not be persistent in those things that we have. We just need to be persistent in those things you teach us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.